Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good evening. For those of you that are logged on from Australia, good morning. Something, thinking about something today, it's kind of plaguing me. Maybe you, be, you can help me with that. I was wondering, do Lipton tea employees take coffee breaks? Well, let's get into the scriptures then, if nobody's going to answer me. Okay. Where are all the Star Wars fans? Nerds. All right, let's go take our Bible and go to Genesis. We are studying the life of Jacob, uh, and uh, we should be finishing it tonight, his, his, uh, his life, and, um, and then we're going to get into... Joseph, Joseph, his, his story makes up about 25% of the book of Genesis. So God thought that was pretty important, um, that he would take up that much of this great book to talk about Joseph. And there are lots of lessons we'll learn from Joseph. As a matter of fact, um, we might be probably four weeks in his life. But uh, from what we learned about Jacob, um, the last time we had church on Jacob, when was that? A couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And we talked about Jacob's life, and we talked about his, the, the unfortunate view of Jacob that people continually say, even to this day, as I've done lots of research on Jacob's life and just was doing some more the last few days, looking over you know, um, different commentaries and things like that, how many times over and over you see him called deceiver, 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 deceiver. I thought, what a sad misrepresentation of, of Jacob. His name does not even mean deceiver, like they say it means. His name means Jacob means deceiver. No, it means supplanter. Supplanter is different from deceiver. Supplanter is someone who goes after. He went after that birthright because his brother, he knew his brother despised that birthright. He knew his brother saw no use in the birthright, so he took opportunity to supplant that birthright from him by selling it to him for a bowl of beans. All right? So he has, been, he has been denigrated when the scripture says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. It says that Esau was the one that was vile. And yet, I don't know why Jacob continues to be called this scoundrel, this deceiver, over and over again. And it's just a bad, bad interpretation of his life. And I know uh, in large part why that is. Because you see it today. Because I'm looking at a room full of Jacobs here. And I, I think you'll, you'll agree with me in just a moment when I talk about people who are after what God has for them. That's who Jacob was. He was just after what God had for him. And he went after it with all of his might. He wanted the blessing of God on his life. He wanted to live in that blessing continually. And he did whatever it took to get that blessing. Now remember, his mother was the one who told him to to go and tell his father that he was Esau. Jacob was simply following instruction, all right? I'm not saying the whole scenario was... Even Jacob felt uncomfortable about this, even when he he put on that fur on his hands and arms to go in there and act like he was his brother and didn't even change his... He didn't even try to change his voice. His dad says, the voice is Jacob, but it smells and feels like Esau. 
could tell he, could, he felt uncomfortable from doing it, but he was following his mother's order because, because along the way, the course of time, Esau became Isaac's favorite and Jacob became Rebecca's favorite. Now, let me just say this about that kind of thing. Parents, I hope that, I hope that you do your best to treat all your children in such a way that they all feel like they are your favorite. Hmm? And that you're not singling one out over the other. Because we do see problems from this happening from Jacob's parents to Jacob and Esau. And it caused a lot of division in the household. And then later on in life when Jacob favored Joseph. And we know what that did to the brothers. Right? So uh, I'm not saying that Jacob was perfect because he wasn't perfect. And he had faults and, and problems all along the way. But I just want to be careful about saying something just because we've heard it through the years one way. Take one man's opinion about it when the Scripture does not teach us that he was a deceiver. The, the Scripture teaches us that he was a man who wanted to live in the blessing, all right? And he was determined to have it in his life because he knew what that meant for his life. He knew that if God was with him, then life was going to be good. He knew if God was going to bless him. And he made that vow to God. Remember when he went to Bethel? Or actually, he named the place, but it was a place called Luz at the time in Genesis chapter 28. And we talked about that vision, that dream that he had when he went to sleep and saw that ladder come down from heaven and the angels of God descending and ascending on that ladder and God standing above it and telling Jacob the very same thing that he told Abraham, the very same thing that he told Isaac, I will multiply you. I will multiply your seed, and it shall be as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the seashore. The very same blessing that he told him. And Jacob woke up, and he said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. Huh? We don't ever want to come to church. And in this gathering, and be so numbed out, be so zoned out, that we don't know that he's here. That we don't know this powerful experience. That we always want to be awake and aware of God's presence in our lives, and God's presence in amongst other believers when we're gathered together. Surely God, the Lord, is in this place, and I did not know it. And, and, and he said, this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. And we talked about that last week, how this is the first mention in Genesis chapter 20, the very first mention of the house of God in the Scriptures was right here. Jacob called this place Beth-el, Beth meaning house, El meaning God, house of God. And then he anointed that he set up that altar. Remember, he took the, the rock that he had used as a pillow the night before and placed it on there, and he poured oil on it, and he consecrated it to God, and then God spoke to him, and then Jacob said, if you will be with me, and if you'll be with me in, in my way, and you'll prosper me and bless me, then surely I will give a tenth of all to you. And so we saw that the connection of the tithe to the house of God right there in Jacob's life and in his vow to God. Now, later on, <clears throat> Jacob then by instruction from his parents, they tell him to go and they didn't want him marrying the Canaanites there because they were, remember the scripture says that they dwelt in a foreign place. They dwelt in tents, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they were looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. They were looking for that promised place, but it wasn't time yet. God was just having them walk through the land for now. But this was a foreign land, and God, and, and, and just as Abraham told his servant Eliezer, remember when Heather talked about Isaac going and, 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 and Eliezer going and finding a bride, and he went back to his home of Haran, back to his, back to his people, and Laban, who was the brother of Rebekah, who would soon become Isaac's wife, was there, and they welcomed uh, Eliezer in, and then we know the story that Isaac took Rebekah. So now Isaac, in his old age, 
tells Jacob, I want you to go back to my, my family and go find a wife. I don't want you marrying the women here. Well, guess what Esau did? Esau married the women there. It says that he knew that his parents did not approve. I'm just paraphrasing it. He knew that his mom and dad did not approve of him, and he went and did it anyway. As a matter of fact, he married three of them. And that's where we got people like the Amalekites. That's where we got people like the Edomites, all out of the lineage of Esau, who despised his birthright and therefore despised his own family name. But Jacob wasn't like that. And so he went. He followed his dad's orders, and he went back to Haran. And, he, and it's interesting that he comes upon a well, just as, just as Eliezer had done years before. Jacob's 40 years old now. And he comes upon this well, and there were these sheep there, and, and uh, three herds of sheep, and he comes upon these, these shepherds, and he says, he says, what are you guys doing? Well, we're waiting for all the rest of the sheep to show up. And then they take the stone off of the well uh, mouth, and then, and then we draw water and feed all the sheep. And so, and they said, as a matter of fact, this well belongs to Laban. There's his daughter. And Rachel's coming, and she's walking in to, toward the well with a herd of sheep. The scripture says that she was a shepherdess. And when Jacob saw her, man, he fell in love, head over heels in love, just like that. And, and uh, so he, he quickly took the stone off the top of the well. I mean, isn't this just like a guy? I love this. Here she comes, and what does he do? He starts showing her how strong he is. He goes and gets that. Now, don't you know he kind of rolled up his sleeves a little bit? You see that? You see that? And he moved that, that stone up there and fed, fed the sheep. And then he told her, I am, I am uh, Laban's nephew. Now, for some reason in this lineage, they like to marry half-sisters and first cousins. But God was with them. Thank God we're not doing that today, huh? Well, some of my relatives. Well, I, won't, I won't mention any names. But... <laughs> but so he, Rachel uh, they, they send for Jacob to come and Jacob uh, stays there a month All right, is it okay if I just walk you through the story because I've just been reading it a whole lot I'm just full of it <laughs> don't say anything right there honey just, just, I'm full of the story and so Laban he's been there a month with Laban and he says uh he says, listen, your family. He said, why should you work for me for free? Tell me what to pay you. What do you want me to pay you? And Jacob looks over there at Rachel. He says, I tell you what, if you'll give me her for a wife, I'll work for you for seven years. And Laban thought, heck yeah, that's a good deal. And he takes him up on the deal. And the scripture says that Jacob, the years went by quickly. It didn't even seem like seven years. It just seemed like a moment because of his love for Rachel. And the time came, seven years was up. And this is what Jacob said. Now, I'm not going to say exactly like the scripture says. Are we having young ears here? Charlie, yeah, we better keep it innocent for him tonight since Charlie's here. Uh, basically, what he said was, <clears throat> I'm pent up for seven years. That's what he said, all right? And I've got some exploring to do. And uh, so I need her now. So they threw a big feast. And lo and behold, Mr. Laban, who is a deceiver, puts a veil over his oldest daughter's face named Leah. 
And I don't know, maybe Jacob had a few glasses of wine. I don't know why he can't differentiate or, you know, make sure or whatever. Maybe he just totally trusted Laban and maybe the lights weren't good. I don't know. <laughs> but they go in there and he explores and wakes up in the morning and turns over to kiss her and she lifts the veil and he says, you're not Rachel. It was Leah. So he goes to Laban. He says, you deceived me, Laban. He said, well, in our culture, we don't give the youngest away to be married first. He's, you know, it would have been nice to know that last night, Laban. You wait till now to tell me this? So Laban says, I'll give you Rachel, though. Work another seven years for me. And Jacob did it. This guy's smitten with this girl. He works another seven, 14 years go by. And finally, he gets Rachel, the, the object of his affection. And Leah knows that she's not particularly liked by Jacob. She's simply tolerated. God did something for Leah. When the scripture says that when he saw, then God saw that she was unloved by Jacob, he opened her womb and she bore a son. I'd say he at least loved her at one level. <laughs> Bore her a son, and his name was Reuben. And that worked out so good that she had another son named Simeon. And that worked out so good that uh, she has another son named Levi. And then she has another son named Judah. Which tribe his family comes from? Which tribe Jesus comes from? So now, Rachel's watching this, and she knows that she's loved by Jacob, but she can't give him any children. And she's just watching this factory over here called Leah, just pumping these babies out. So now, she says, okay, Jacob, obviously, I can't have children. The Lord has closed my womb up. So here, take my handmaid. And her name was Bilhah. And so Jacob's like, all right. So he takes Bilhah, and Bilhah has two kids for him. And Bilhah has two, two sons for him, and, th and the names of those sons are Dan and, or no, no, Gad and, help me somebody, Gad and Naphtali. Dan and Naphtali, sorry, Dan and Naphtali, all right? So now he's got six sons. Well, then... Leah's like, well, it's been a while since I've had a kid, and maybe I'm done, so here, take my handmaid. And her name was Zilpah. So we got Bilhah and Zilpah. So Jacob's like, all right. <laughs> so then Z Zilpah produces two, two children for him. Don't you know? Wow. Can you imagine, guys? Can you imagine the hornet's nest this guy is continually in with all of these women in his life who are in competition with each other? Oh, Lord Jesus. She has two sons. And they are Gad and hmm? Asher. Yeah, Gad and Asher. G-A, that's right. Gad and Asher. So now he's got eight sons. And Rachel has, the one he loves, cannot produce any children for him. She's watching all, even the slave women are having babies. And just to rub salt in the womb, 
in the womb. <laughs> Come on. This is an interesting story, and I guess you'd have to understand the culture a little bit. But Simeon is out, Simeon, Leah's second son, is out harvesting wheat, and he comes across these pieces of fruit called mandrakes. He made familiar with mandrakes. They call them love apples. They're aphrodisiacs, all right? And so he gathers these, these mandrakes, and he takes them to his mom. All right. Hey, mom, look what I found. So apparently there was some kind of omen with these things. I don't know, but they believe that they brought fertility. And so Rachel finds out that, that she has those love apples. This is in the Bible. Can you believe this? It's really in the Bible. Rachel finds out that she's got these love apples, so she's like, hey, Leah, uh, can I have some of those love apples? She goes, I tell you what, you get Jacob to come over to my room tonight, you got yourself a deal. And Rachel's like, okay, I'll do it. So now Jacob comes in from work, and Leah's standing at the front door like, <laughs> you've been bought for apples. And Jacob's like, all right. And so he goes there and explores, and guess what? Leah conceives again. Now Leah has... Help me here. Who? Oh, I thought you had it. Another one of those kids. Dan, Gad, Asher. Issachar. Is it Issachar? Issachar. It's not a car, it's a baby. It's a car. Issachar, then Zebulun. Right? Issachar, well, guess what? She's back in business. She conceives another baby named Zebulun. Now he's got 10 sons, right? None by Rachel. Don't you know this has just been so heartbreaking for her to watch this year after year after year after year, and she cannot give her husband a child, and knowing that he loves her more than all of them. Ten sons. And just to put a little cherry on the top, Leah gets pregnant again and has a girl named Dinah. Then the Lord remembered Rachel, the Scripture says. Took him a while. Lord, really? You ever felt like that? You ever felt like now all of a sudden he remembers you? Like, Lord, I've been praying for how long? How long you've seen me crying? You've seen me down here in this trouble. You've seen me in this travail. But listen to me. What you have and what they had are two different things. See, Jesus did something for you that God would never forget. You are constantly now on his mind constantly on his mind because of what his son. The scripture says that we who were far off have been brought near by the blood. You're before him all the time, seated with him in heavenly places. How could he forget you? If he forgets you, that means he forgot Jesus. And that ain't going to happen. But God remembered her. And finally, Rachel 
had a son named Joseph. So now we're going to go over to Genesis and read a little bit. Is it okay if we read some scripture now that I've walked through all of that? Amen. Anybody ever listen to Pastor Joseph Prince? He says, Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 37. Not, no, not 37. I'm sorry. Wow, wow, that's the end, close to the end. 35, I'm sorry. So time has gone by. Jacob has become great. He's become wealthy. He's got a large family. And now he's, he's leaving. He's leaving Laban, and he's done. He's been with him for tw 20 years now. And now he has a big family, and they take off, and they're heading back to his homeland. Look at verse 35, or chapter 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to us, household and to all who are with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. This is not where I wanted to be. I am so sorry. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening to my podcast, I do apologize. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I'm sorry. Let's go back to 32. Forgive me. Forgive me. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate that. Now, Jacob has... Yeah, he's left Laban, and now he's about to meet Esau. And remember, Esau had vowed to kill Jacob after his father's death. Now their father, uh, and so now that's why Jacob fled for his life. But now he has to go through Esau to get back home. So the day's coming, and he's, he's greatly afraid. Let's look at chapter 32, verse 1. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp, and he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Sire, uh, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is also coming, he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, yeah, I imagine. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. Now it goes on to tell you exactly how he divided these two companies. All right, and the way he divided them was he took the the servant women, the servant wives, uh, 
uh, Zilpah and Bilhah and their children and put them out front. And then he put his Leah and Rachel, but Leah next with her sons, and then Rachel and him and Joseph in the back. Just in case Esau attacked, he's, he had this reason. He says, at least if, he, if we get it in two companies, at least he starts killing one company, the other company can flee and survive, meaning him and his actual wives. All right? So now he's, he's got a plan. And uh, now watch this. Look at verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Remember when he left, when he fled for his life, it was just him and his staff heading to Laban's house. But now he sees the mercy of God. And he's learned all the lessons that God has taught him. And now he's coming with great wealth, with family, with, with a heritage of children. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered from multitude. Now listen, there are those times in your life, and this is, this is a great example right here. Jacob's prayer is a great example for us when we find ourselves in distress, when you find yourself in a hard time. That is the time not to grow silent. That is the time to open your mouth and remember the Lord your God. That's the time for you to say, Lord, you have blessed me. Every good thing in my life has come from you. I am who I am today because of your blessing in my life. I had nothing, but with you, I've, I have everything. And now, I want to say what you've said. So he just started quoting back to God what God had promised him. You said you would bless me. You said this. Is Jacob trying to coerce God? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little, but more than anything, he's trying to get his own heart full of faith here. You've said this, and so far, he hasn't failed me. So far, he's been merciful. So far, he's been with me all the way. Huh? And sometimes you've got to remind yourself of the word. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself of what God said, because when it's dark, and when it's hard to see, and when it's hard to know, it, but the last thing that comes to your mind many times is Scripture, right? You're just surrounded by the circumstance. And that's when you have to open your mouth and shout it out in the darkness and say what God has said because His Word is sure and His Word is not empty. His Word is full. It's full of promise. It's full of assurance and it will come to pass. Amen. Amen. So He says, Deliver me, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for the multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Think he's trying to send a message? Then he delivered them to the hand of the servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servant, pass 
over before me and put some distance between successive droves. So he has five different animal groups. Isn't this beautiful? Grace. As a gift to his brother. Five different animal groups, and he's got them a distance between them. So the first shows up. Esau's going to say, where these come from? From your brother Jacob. There's more to come. Just stay right there, Esau. And the next group shows up, and, and these gifts just keep showing up. Now watch this. Let's get down to... Um, uh, Verse uh, 19, so he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. Smart man. And afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on before him, but he himself lodged that camp, that, that night in the camp. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. I wish it would give some, lead us into that a little bit easier. There's so many details lost here to me. He crosses his family over this brook. He gets back over the other side and he says, and a man wrestled with Jacob. Well, when did it start? What started the fight? What happened? Well, we know who this man was as we read. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, that he, that man, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. Jacob's, he's a scrapper, man. This guy can hold his own. He's wrestling Jesus. He's wrestling this angel of God or whatever, some some form of God, and he's prevailing against him. How bad do you want that blessing in your life? And when he saw, that is God saw, the man saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of, man, that's, a, that's cheating a little bit, isn't it? God saw he couldn't, he couldn't beat him as a man, so he just said, okay, I'll do my God part then. Boom, now you're crippled. <laughs> Touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. I mean, Jacob is just, he's just all wrapped around him. He said, let me go for the day breaks, but he said, I will not let you go unless what? Unless you bless me. Amen. Come on, hold on to the word. Hold on to the word. Don't let go until you see that blessing in your life. Huh? Hold on to God. You stay in prayer. You stay in thanksgiving. Hold on to it until you see it to come to fruition in your life. Amen. This is not trying to, about trying to coerce God. God has already blessed you. But there's this realm called faith that we got to get into. we got to rise up above the sensual realm, rise above our circumstances and hold on to His Word and know that it is more sure than what I'm facing right now. Amen. And I'm not going to stop confessing it. I'm not going to stop believing it until I see it in my life. Amen. Because God is faithful to it. If He promised it, He will do it because He will keep His promise. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Wow. God said, you beat me. Isn't that awesome? 
You struggled with God, you struggled with man, and that prevailed. Why? What was Jacob, what was in his heart? He wasn't a deceiver. It wasn't about Jacob being a liar, Jacob being a scoundrel. Jacob was obsessed with this blessing. And you know what? He got it. He got it. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. And it means a face-to-face meeting with God. And my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over there, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. That experience with God changed the way he would walk the rest of his life. And Jacob would go on back to his, back to his family. And he would continue to prosper. And when we get over into the, the story of Joseph, we're going to mingle a little bit of Jacob in there because Jacob kind of comes back into the picture later on in Joseph's life. But there's one place over in, in Hebrews I want us to look at before we close up tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, if you would turn over there. I want to read this, this bit of scripture before, as you're going over there. I just want to just, just listen to me read. This is chapter 33. Now Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked there and looked, and there was Esau coming. And with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front. Leah and her children behind and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? And he said, The children whom God has graciously given to your servant. This is another thing about Jacob that is often overlooked, that this was a humble man. Jacob was a very humble man. He always acknowledged God in his life. He he always acknowledged God's blessing on his life, and he always acknowledged God's grace in his life and his mercy. So Esau meets all the family, and they, and they, they have a great reunion there. And um, now Hebrews 11. Did y'all go to Hebrews 11? <laughs> Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped. How? Leaning on the top of his staff. As one last reminder that he had come to that experience of wrestling with God that night, thrust Jacob into a life that was completely dependent on God. It would change the way he would walk, and that walk would always remind him of that incident, always reminding him of that event when he met God face to face and got that blessing from him. And so as his last stand, the scripture says that he was laying, if you read the story here in Genesis, that he was laying in bed and he was sick. But when those sons came in the room, strength came up in him. And he stood up and he leaned over on that staff to let everybody know just 
who this man is. I am he who God called. I am he who went after this blessing. And for a long time, I worked hard and I did all kinds of things. And God was with me. But I worked hard to get the things that I got for some time. But then I had this experience with God. And from that day forward, I came into a time, a place of rest. And my walk with him was one of utter dependence. And he's leaning on that staff as a reminder to them, you're not going to get anywhere in life without his blessing on your life. And let this be a reminder to you tonight. Let me remind you tonight that the blessing of God on your life is more important than anything that you could obtain in this world in your own strength, in your own power, with the, the job, the education. All that stuff's good, but none of it can replace the blessing of God on your life. And how do you get that blessing? Well, he has blessed. You obtain it by faith. You simply obtain it by faith. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your heart. We believe with our heart and we confess with our mouth. Remember, Jeremiah talks about this every community. What is it that we're confessing? And what is it that we're believing? Just as it starts in salvation, you believe with your heart God raised Jesus from that and you confess him as Lord of your life. The whole, that is the beginning place. That is the precedent-setting moment for how you live your life, the rest of your life as a Christian. You believe with your heart, and you confess with your mouth what God has said, who He is in your life, and who you are in Him. We walk by faith. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. How did you receive Him? Well, you received Him by faith. How are you going to walk in Him? You're going to walk by faith. And these men that we've been looking at over the past few weeks, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all those who had a declaration from God over their life that he would bless them and their journey of faith to obtain what God said they could have. My family didn't come in just a moment. It didn't come in a few days. It came in a lifetime. All right? So enjoy this walk of faith. All right? You don't have to have it all right now. Just know that God's faithful, and if you'll continue to walk by faith, you'll see it over and over and over and over again. And God has spoken things in your life and God has put a dream in your heart and some of you, you know, it seems still at this point in your life, it still seems so distant from you. But let me just tell you, God does like, He turned water into wine that fast. Restore the years. He can do these things in an instant to those who will believe on Him. Father, Thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for my great family. Thank you, God, for what you have done for us. Why don't we just stand? Can we just stand for a moment and just lift our hands to the Lord? It's just, Lord, thank you. Just voice it right now, just with your voice. Just, just thank him for his mercy in your life. Just think about those times when you thought you were in a hopeless situation, but you found out it wasn't hopeless. Those times when you thought this, there was no way out of this, but yes, there was a way. Because you attached yourself to the Lord, you called on His name, and He showed up. And He does it every time. Again, and again. Listen, if He's done it once, He has to do it every time. Thank Him for His mercy. Thank Him for His forgiveness. Thank Him that you didn't get what you deserved. And you know what I'm talking about. Because you still can't get over it sometimes. Sometimes you think, God, did, did you really? 
Did you really? Did you really just show me kindness? Did you really just show me goodness when I deserve judgment? When I deserve punishment? When I deserve death? And yet you were still good to me. And yet you still loved me. And yet you still embraced me. Yes. Yes. Lord, thank you. Thank you for providing. Thank you, Lord, for opening doors. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us. Because, Jesus, you said these beautiful words, I am the way. And as long as you are in our lives, there will always be a way. May we never say there's just no way. No, if there's Jesus, there is a way. Because you see ways we don't see and you know ways we don't know. Lord, thank you. Thank you for where you've brought us up to this point. Like the old song says, you may not know how or you may not know when, but he will do it again. Think about where you've been before. Think about where you are now and where you've been. Hasn't he always come through? He's always come through. He's so faithful. Think about the God who created the world. Almost 7 billion people on the planet. And He has not forgotten about you. He's not scanning the world with a just a blurred, trying to take everybody in with this one, one vision. No, no, God sees every individual. He's not just looking at a mass of people. He's looking at individuals. He's looking at you because He's a very personal God. He loves you. But he is looking for something. He is looking for something from you. The scripture says that his eyes go to and fro across the earth. And it says, will anybody have faith? He's just looking for a believer. Someone he can show himself strong on their behalf. Somebody he can partner with right at that moment. Say, there's somebody. There's somebody who wants what I have to give. There's somebody who wants this promise in their life. There's somebody who wants this answer. There's somebody who really wants it. There's a Jacob who's not going to let go until I bless them, until they have what I said they can have. Thank you, Lord. Lord, release that blessing. Release these, these people from any fear or doubt. Release them from it. I thank you right now, God, for faith growing stronger tonight in Jesus' name. And your people being built up on their most holy faith so that they'll, they'll look like somebody here on earth standing on top of a building with their hands waving. I believe, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I believe you. I'll take it. And I'm not leaving until I get it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you now, Lord. For it. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let's just pray in the Spirit for a moment. Shabada <laughs> 
Hallelujah. You are the object of his affection. You are the one he loves. He takes pleasure in you. He takes delight in you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I'm believing now, even from this moment, from this experience here right now, that we have what we've asked for. That we've met with you here right now in this moment. And Lord, I believe that faith has met grace. And when faith from us meets grace from you, God, anything is possible. That's where miracles come exploding on the scene. That's where miracle birth happens. That's where healing happens. That's where provision happens. When faith meets grace. Thank you, Lord, now for it. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Wow. Mm. Oh, if you could see what I'm seeing right now. I see, I see wrapped presents just falling from the sky, falling from heaven upon God's people. Freely giving to those who are opening up their arms, stretching their arms up to receive. Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those gifts. Thank you, Lord, for that grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you for your provision. Come on, why don't you just reach up and grab it right now. Just grab it right now. Just by faith. Thank you, Lord. I'll take it now. I'll take it now. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. I received that breakthrough. I received that restoration. I received that wisdom. I received that joy unspeakable and full of glory. I received that peace that you freely give to me. I received that rest. In Jesus' name never going to be the same. Never the same. Tonight, our walk changes. We're going to walk like we depend on God. And others are going to say, wow, you walk funny. Yeah, I lean on Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now, Father, I thank you that you bless your people as they go from here tonight. That grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.